Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. It was costing them, as it did Jesus, to become followers of Christ. They were being persecuted greatly. They were probably thinking to themselves, is there a way for us not to have to pay for following Jesus Christ? Of course, we never pay for our sins. He did. But is there a way to get out of this persecution? And the writer really goes, no, there is no way. The minute you go outside the camp, the minute you identify with Jesus, well, you're going to get the same kind of treatment Jesus did. Back in the 1960s, many kids who'd been raised in church began trying different things. Drugs, Eastern religions, and so on. Their parents tolerated all of these things until they began talking about getting saved or having a personal relationship with Jesus. Oddly enough, as long as they were on an undefined search for God, their parents were tolerant of it. But as Pastor Mark will be teaching today, talking specifically about being able to know Jesus is not okay with religious people. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Leviticus chapter 9 as he begins his message, Sacrifices That Please God. As you turn to Hebrews 13, keep your finger there. And our first passage that we'll go to is in Leviticus chapter 9, Old Testament. When you think about this word sacrifice, what comes to your mind, there might be all kinds of things that are coming. I just talked to KP Yohannan Monday by phone and got an update on what's happening in Orissa, India. What they think about the word sacrifice is very different than what we think about the word sacrifice. For us, we've been thinking about the gas and the stock market, the price of gas. Because coming down now, we're like, hallelujah, whatever. They're not thinking about the price of gas. See, they're being doused with gas and their homes being burned. This is what they're doing to the Christians in India, their homes, just totally destroy them. There's nothing left for them to live in. And of course, then you have the kids in there. They have nothing but rice now. And the people sleep just out in this big open area. They have nothing. So when I mention sacrifice to them, that's very different than sacrifice to us. Well, as you look at this passage here, the Jewish converts they had an idea when the writer mentioned sacrifice. They came from a Jewish background, much more understandable for them, that word sacrifice. And of course, it didn't relate really to them. It went back to the Old Testament. And I've asked you to turn to Leviticus chapter 9. Let's take a look at this. Remember, in the Old Testament, 
How did you take care of man's sin? Through sacrifice, animals, grain, by a priest. And that was their way to approach God. Leviticus chapter 9, down verse 1. On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take a bull calf for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. And say to the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord, together with a grain offering mixed with oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. So Aaron and his sons in those days had to offer animal sacrifices for sin and, of course, burnt offerings and grain offerings. Every day began with a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, since the priests, you know, certainly weren't sinless, they had to offer sacrifices for themselves first before they could offer for the people. Now, the writer to the Hebrews, now you can turn back to Hebrews, and actually before you go to 13, stop at 9, The writer to the Hebrews had reminded them over and over again that they were not to go back to the Old Testament way of sacrificing. Remember, they were being persecuted, and their friends were saying, look, you left the sacrifices that we were raised with. What are you doing? We never see you sacrificing. How are you taking care of your sin? And the writer had to remind them over and over again this passage Hebrews 9, look down at verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of good things that are already here, he went through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not part of creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats or calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. So the writer says, remember... Sacrifices, Old Testament, yes. God-given, God-prescribed. Picture of what was coming. Jesus, who you know identify with, you're a Christ follower, no longer sacrifices of animals, of grain. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, done, finished. It is complete, taken care of, paid, new covenant, not old covenant. Now go to chapter 13. Let's pick up where we were at verse 11, and then we'll pick up at verse 15, because you need to see it in context. The high priest, verse 11, carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. Remember, we're talking about Old Testament days. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. When we're there in Jerusalem, we'll go outside the city gate to Golgotha. We'll go there to Calvary and see that Jesus indeed suffered outside that city gate. Verse 13, remember, let us then go to him outside the camp. So we go outside of religion. God's not into religion. He's into a relationship. Jesus went outside the Jewish religion because the Jewish religion really was a dead end. He went outside where the average person was. And today, of course, when you go there, it's just the streets, and it's not a religious thing at all. And we're to do that. We're to go outside the camp. Now, as we go outside the camp, 
People are not going to be happy with us. And that's what this verse says. Notice, when he went outside, bearing the disgrace, he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. So we're looking for this city that's coming that isn't on the earth. So as we move outside the camp, as we move outside religion, as we move outside Calvary Chapel, as we move outside any kind of man-made deal, we identify with Jesus Christ. The minute we identify with Jesus Christ, the world, by and large, hates us because we represent light and salt. So there's going to be disgrace. There's going to be persecution. These Hebrew people really knew about that persecution. So Jesus, all through this book, was a better way. The sacrifice was paid, and he promised over and over again, as we learned Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's the great shepherd. He's always the great shepherd. He doesn't have a bad day. He's perfect. He ministers to us 24-7. We can approach that throne of mercy. So there was no need for them to do sacrifices anymore. But they were probably looking at a way to undo this persecution. It was costing them, as it did Jesus, to become followers of Christ. They were being persecuted greatly. They were probably thinking to themselves, is there a way for us not to have to pay for following Jesus Christ? Of course, we never pay for our sins. He did. But is there a way to get out of this persecution? And the writer really goes... No, there is no way. The minute you go outside the camp, the minute you identify with Jesus, well, you're going to get the same kind of treatment Jesus did. Now, we don't see that too much here. We see it some, but in India, they're seeing it. Now, all they have to do, I talked to KP as I told you on Monday. KP said they go to these people and they say this, if you'll simply renounce Jesus Christ and become a Hindu again, no problem. No danger, no family beaten, no home burned down, nobody killed. But you must renounce Jesus Christ. See, they're outside the camp. And the minute they went outside the camp, notice this verse, John 15. As you go out there, notice, Jesus, do you remember what I told you? Slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, well, naturally, they're going to persecute you. See, hard for us to understand that in America. By the way, at this moment... But that's going to change. And this this country comes back to God. That's going to change in this country as well. So understand that. So first thing I want you to write as you're taking notes is this. It will cost you to be a Christ follower. Absolutely. There is a sacrifice to pay. There simply is. Now, that's not a sad thing. It's just the truth. And... We want to balance that with all the good things that God has given us, but there simply is a sacrifice that we have to pay. Now, these people are thinking, well, you just told us there's no more sacrifices. Well, that's true. There's no more animal. There's no more grain. Sin's been taken care of. Then the writer gives us three, I'm going to actually give you four, sacrifices that please God that please God, that have nothing to do with the Old Testament. Look at verse 15, chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God 
Here's the first one. A sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. First Peter chapter 2 says it like this. Speaking about all of us as Christians, as Christ followers, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through, it's the way we always get to God, through Jesus Christ. So next thing you want to write is this, because of Jesus, all Christ followers are priests who can offer sacrifices to God. Now, that would be very strange for them, because in the Old Testament, only a priest could do that. But in the New Testament, we're all priests. Turn to your neighbor and find out their first name and just say, Hi, Priest Joe, or Priest Jane. Go ahead, just tell them right now. Would you just tell them? You like the sound of that? If you like the sound of that, that means you have pride and we need to stop and confess it right now. (laughs) That's right. You might say, well, Pastor Mark, and it's in this passage, and I think it's a stupid question, but it's something that we have to remind ourselves. Well, why would I want to offer sacrifices to God? Like, remember the children of Israel? Remember what they said? Hey, God, what have you, like, done for me lately? And what had been done for me? Just had a three-day, two-night at Elam and whatever, and... Man, he done everything. Well, what has God done for you? You say, why do I need to give praise to God? Come on. If we started around the room, do you think we'd ever finish giving praise to God if everyone must just started mentioning one thing? Well, look at the rest of this. The next passage of Scripture, you see, gives us this understanding of what is happening here. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You, here's how I can be thankful to God. You are a chosen people. You, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Are you glad for that? I'm God's child. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. What has God done for me? See, sometimes we have short memories. And he was reminding them all God had done. Think back when you and I were groping about in the darkness of sin. Can you think back to then? When you weren't a believer? When you weren't a follower? Can you believe all the dead ends you went down? All the misery that was in your life? No understanding, no hope, the road to nowhere. You just kept going down it over and over and over again. Then somehow God's light shone on your life. And you understood. A light came on. And when that came on, you chose to accept the invitation to have your sins forgiven, and to become a follower. Remember, not an event, but a lifestyle. 
of following Jesus Christ. And now, instead of groping about in darkness, John 8 says we, well, we have the light of life. We have God. And by the way, when we walk in the light, what happens? Well, the blood of Christ cleansed me from all sin, and we have fellowship with one another, and we can sit here and praise our Lord and Savior. Why? Because, well, we're family. We have the great shepherd over us, and we're here and we're worshiping him. So not only that, but I receive grace and mercy. How often? How often do you receive grace and mercy? If you don't receive it daily, you're in trouble, aren't you? Yes, you are. Every day. His mercies are what? They're new. Aren't you glad you receive mercy today? Praise God. You say, well, I'm doing pretty good on myself. You need mercy. You need mercy. Now, let's talk about the sacrifice of praise. We won't spend a long time on that, but I think it's good for you to think about that. First Peter 4.16. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear his name. Easy said from the pulpit, much more difficult from Marissa Indian. Sometimes not easy from the pulpit. When we're all going through issues in life, physical, emotional, all kinds of things. See, only God can give this kind of attitude of praise. We learn from Exodus that God wants to put that song in our hearts. And when we're experiencing trials, well, let's be honest. It is often a sacrifice to sing praises to God. Because things aren't going well. It's easy when things are going well. If I stood up here and said to you, the stock market tomorrow is going to go up 2,000 points. Hallelujah! (laughs) Have you seen the latest Southwest commercial? The guy goes up and he goes to the line and he says, how much for the suitcase? She says, well, there's no charge for suitcases Southwest. In the background, hallelujah, chorus. And well, how much for this? And how much for that? How much for the window? And how much for a drink? There's no charge. Hallelujah. You see, that's because everything's going what? Good. Try one of the other airlines. First bag, 50 bucks. Let's see if you sing hallelujah then. (laughs) But see, that's what he's saying. It's a sacrifice. And praise. It's easy to sing praises to God when everything is going right. But when it's not, notice this verse. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Because again, we're just pilgrims. We're just traveling through. Now, God is the reason for our singing. It's not my circumstance. It's not my talent. You don't have to have talent. Our praise bands, they got great talent. God gave them that ability. But praise comes from my heart. And God gives me the song. That's it. Praises do God. Let me just read you some things. I don't do this very often, but I thought it would be good. I should praise God on account of his excellency. Psalm 148, 13. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and heavens. Praise is due to God on account of his greatness. Psalm 145.3. Great is the Lord, worthy 
most worthy of praise. His greatness, no one can fathom. I need to praise God because of his holiness. Isaiah 6, 3 says, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I need to praise God. Daniel chapter 2 says, For his wisdom. He said, Praise the name of the Lord forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. In my devotions this morning, like I do regularly, I quite often write down things that I need wisdom for. Understand, you don't have wisdom because we don't see tomorrow. We don't see the circumstances, but God does. And I'm challenged in the book of James to ask for wisdom. And it's not like I gave it to you yesterday, I won't give it to you today. He loves to give us wisdom. In these days, make sure you're asking God for wisdom. Well, how about praising God for his power? Rise up, Psalm 21 says, O Lord, in your power, with music and singing, we celebrate your mighty acts. Also, praise is due to God on account of his loving kindness and truth. Psalm 138 says, I will bow down toward your holy temple and praise your name for your love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. And last, and we really need this, I'm going to praise God because of his counsel. Psalm 16, 7, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. You need counsel? The great counselor. That's God. So as you think about that, let me remind you quickly, one thing of praise that God isn't pleased with. Matthew 15, 8. These people honor me with their lips. Say it with me, but their hearts are what? Far from me. In other words, it's a ritual. Isaiah 29, 13 in the New Living Translation, I love this verse because it says it so clearly and it's a challenge to my heart as yours. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. Well, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Listen to how it says it. And their worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws learned by rote. You see, it's, it's got to come from our heart. Jesus, when he met that woman at the well, said, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Thank you. You know, when people walk into this place, I hear it very often, when they walk on the campus, they feel the spirit of the Lord is. You see, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and there's love. Thank you for being worshipers and for having a sacrifice of praise. Some of you didn't feel like praising, but God's Spirit got to you, didn't it? And as it did, as the guys led us in worship, maybe that spirit of heaviness left you because you focused on God and not those issues. Number two, look at Hebrews 13, 16, and do not forget to do good. To learn more about the usefulness and the limitations of sacrifices under the law, 
Pastor Mark taught you how those sacrifices didn't bring people closer to God. It just covered their sin. You got the news that God expects you to be a sacrifice, not to take care of your sins, but to be devoted to his service. This is because of his purchase of you through Jesus' blood payment. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, Sacrifices That Please God. He'll keep showing you from the scriptures how your life is supposed to be considered as sacrificed to God. You'll find out more how this is supposed to look in your life. Pastor Mark will teach you more about how God expects you to live as a living sacrifice in your whole life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.